the one that inspired everything, I remember, and it's burned into my head, is from a, a guy who I'd been on one date with and it just wasn't working out and I told him I wasn't interested. And he said, you're an angry, mean, single, drunk loser who will never have children. Never contact me again, you whore. I think that they are hyper aware of what women post because we are the product that is being sold on these dating apps. So they want us to have pictures of our pretty faces and our bodies. Silencing and dismissiveness of women's voices on dating apps when we do report bad behavior, that's the bigger problem here. I've been uncomfortable so many times in so many conversations and I'm like, ooh, this doesn't feel good and that just means that you're growing and keep doing it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, our cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, gender, and social justice. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Dana Harvey, co-host for what we like to describe as compelling conversations with leaders who aren't afraid to stir up a little good trouble. And we are recording this episode barely two weeks away from what's the most important presidential election of my life. And wow, Dana, uh, the tensions seem to increase every day. Absolutely. And since we're here in Michigan, uh, which is one of the critically important purple swing states, uh, campaigns and candidates have been here often, ads are heavy, and we are exhausted. <laughs> We are exhausted, not to mention the, the terrible news that went national. It actually went global because I have many friends around the world who heard about this um, horrifying plot to kidnap our outstanding governor, Gretchen it's Whitmer. Unreal. It's uh, unreal. You know, really because of the kind of uh, uh, decisions that she's made to try to keep people safe. Yeah, and she's standing up and she's bring brave about it. So, you know, there are a number of Michiganders who are appreciative of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we um, the majority uh, are yes. appreciative. But anyway, yes. uh, I thought we really needed a, a break from politics, which is why I couldn't wait to invite Sari Rudin to be a podcast guest after I watched her TEDx Detroit talk, because it is entitled The Art of Online Dating, but it could have been called Everything I Never Wanted to Know About Men because Siri is challenging the creepy, crude, cruel, and often threatening male toxicity that is all too common these days in the online dating world. Oh yeah, I couldn't wait to hear and talk more about this topic. Uh, Sari Rudin is in Detroit, Michigan. She's a Detroit, Michigan artist and self-professed dating app disruptor whose Sari Tales body of work, transforming tragic dating app messages uh, into disruptive and thought-provoking art, which has now triggered a national and global movement. Um, very pleased to speak with Sari again. So welcome, welcome to Thank Powering you. Up. Thanks guys, I'm really happy to be here. What a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have lots of questions for you, but let's, let's start out Sari by just giving our listeners a little background on, on these online dating experiences that really have prompted you to take action with your art, your TEDx talk, and now a whole movement that's growing? Sure. Um, I mean, I think it starts out kind of how most women um, 
approach online dating. You go on the dating apps and you're expecting to make some connections, you know, probably not right away and not all the time, but you expect to just have some good conversations and maybe start dating somebody. Um, and in my case, that's what happened. I moved home to Detroit from New York about 10 years ago and was single and got on various dating apps. I was before the swiping apps, but match, uh, eHarmony, OkCupid, JDate. And I was receiving a bunch of really weird messages and there were good ones too, but just a bunch of creepy, weird ones about uh, my age. I was only 30 at the time. So now I'm almost 40 and I'm on them. So it's only gotten worse. Um, but about my age, my religion, I'm Jewish, about just some of my political views that I put in uh, my profile about being progressive. And I was just screenshotting them because they were just too outrageous to not uh, archive. And I'd be sharing them with my friends and family. And at first it was funny and outrageous, but then it kind of became more of like, what's going on here? Like it was every day getting really weird and uh increasingly hostile and threatening messages, especially as it's become closer, especially as the years have gone by, I guess, since Trump took office. So as a designer in my normal like day job as a artist, creator, designer, I just started to think about a project that I could do with these screenshots. And I was like, what can I do to kind of disrupt these messages and put them in a different context? Because when you see them in words, um, sometimes you lose context of like what these words mean if they're being said to a person they're just kind of out there and they don't really have any anchor but when you can see these words in a different format for instance a design um I feel like it really um it, it really changes the message and you can kind of see how how cruel and inappropriate these messages are so this idea came to me a little over four years ago to just start designing typographic posters was what it started out more as like simple typographic treatments like inspirational quotes but they were with all these crappy messages. So it was like that conflict where you'd see something that maybe would look like, you know. Give us some examples. Give us some examples of yeah, the kind of quotes um, you're talking about. Like what, the, what you've experienced. Uh, the, the, the one that inspired everything, I remember, and it's burned into my head, is from a, a guy who I'd been on one date with and it just wasn't working out. And I told him I wasn't interested. And he said, you're an angry, mean, single, drunk loser who will never have children. Never contact me again, you whore. And that really, that was, I had been getting messages leading up to that, but that something triggered me. And I was like, this is almost poetic. Like it was so horrifying, but I was like, it was, he was a good writer. I mean, it had like a nice cadence and I, I liked it. And, and so I, that inspired me just to take those words and create a poster out of it. And about, you know, the 30 or so other screenshots I'd been collecting, um, I just did the same with those. And I started this Instagram account called Sari Tales which is my name, Sari, but then a play on fairy tales. Um, so kind of yeah. just like messed up stories or like not the fairy tale you think online dating is. And that's just what happened. So that was September of 2016. So that was four years ago, right at a perfect time, coincidentally, is when Trump was campaigning. <laughs> and it kind Absolutely. of just like was this collective unconscious, I think, of frustration from men and women. And it just kind of um, evolved from there. So that started as a project and essentially it's moved into a movement when you realize that what you've been doing is increasing awareness to cyberbullying and the sexual harassment culture that's so prevalent in this, this digital area. How do you feel about being a part of something that has lifted the consciousness through your own personal 
um, experiences and what you do to express yourself. How do you feel about that? I mean, I feel so incredibly grateful and lucky and kind of like I, when I, this all started, I wasn't particularly, particularly political or I wouldn't, and I didn't consider myself a feminist. I just, that wasn't really in my vocab and this really becoming a part of the, this entire movement and, you know, not just me, obviously, but all these different powerful women and, and artists and people expressing, um, their frustration with society, like to become a part of this is really just something I never even imagined existed and, and to contribute and to have my personal story resonate with other women. Like that wasn't how this started. I mean, I wish I could say I started with this grand vision of like uniting women to empower them, but I was really just me being frustrated and not knowing what to do and, and pissed off. And it's like incredible that it really resonated with people and has continued to grow. Well, how did you start getting reactions? I mean, when, when did this change start from you doing this individual response to something bigger? Um, you know, it wasn't right away. Like when I first started posting, you know, it was, I had like 50 followers and they were friends and family and the response was always positive and like, you know, it's wonderful. You're shining a light and doing this type of stuff, but people didn't really get it. I don't think it is, there is a, a learning curve, I think with, with my work and a lot of people don't get it. And when you do get it, then it's like, aha, because at first you're like, why are you writing all this terrible stuff? And like, people just see that or it actually brings out a lot of internalized misogyny, I believe, which is where other women are like, there's good guys out there. And what are you doing to um, attract these, these types of men? And what are you saying? It's really this like victim blaming culture that has been exposed. Um, but, but, you know, it's, so it's been gradual. And then recently, like since I did my TEDx talk last year, it's been a little more than gradual. Um, the following and the support, I guess the short answer is it's, always been supportive, but I feel like the more people catch on, um, the, the more exponential the support has been and, and the more enthusiastic. That's it's fantastic. just, it's not super obvious what I'm doing until you actually maybe read my bio. What have you, in addition to the increased exposure and just thinking about the platforms where you're sharing it, but also the dating, uh, the online dating platforms, what have you learned about the algorithms connected to online dating that censors women's voices and allows these men to actually behave like this. So that's kind of where everything came to a head almost a year ago. So as I said, this, this project started out personal and then also more about the men's behavior and it will always be about that. But about, it was January of 2020, like something clicked where I realized it's bigger than the men behaving badly on these apps. Um, I had recently been banned from Tinder, Match, and Plenty of Fish for no reasons. Tinder just deleted my profile. Match said I violated community guidelines and Plenty of Fish also said I violated community guidelines. I reached out to their customer service. They couldn't tell me anything. It was very hard to get an answer. And I was like, what is going on here? And it, it that in addition to this new, um, the shadow banning idea that is, you know, a proven, uh, thing on Instagram. So shadow banning is when people's accounts, and it's usually women, uh, marginalized voices, uh, black and brown accounts and, and body positivity, body or and sex positivity accounts. They do not appear in the algorithm the way that other accounts do either by design or, or intentionally like these, the people who control and engineer these algorithms, uh, 
block certain hashtags. So this is also being mirrored in the dating apps is what I've discovered. Um, I would be reporting people like men who send me hostile, often violent, anti-Semitic, or just plain inappropriate messages. And my account would be penalized. I would be silenced where my account was hidden, um, often removed. So profile removal, um, even images I was posting would often, I would start doing these little experiments where I would post an image of a car, which almost every man has a picture of their car in their profile. And that explicitly is against, for instance, plenty of fish's community guidelines. You cannot post inanimate objects. I would post, literally I would take a picture of a car from another man's profile. So it's the same image. I would put it up within two minutes removed. Meanwhile, the man whose profile I took it from was still up. And so while these are anecdotal things, um, it's consistently without every single time I do that, that is the result. And I've come to the conclusion that it's because these dating apps monitor women's profiles more um, acutely than men's. I, I think eventually the men who post these pictures, I think that they will be removed, but I think that they are hyper aware of what women post because we are the product that is being sold on these dating apps. So they want us to have pictures of our pretty faces and our bodies versus inanimate objects. So every time I've posted a photo of either me doing a TED talk um, or some inanimate object, it's removed immediately. So that's just one little, that's an example, but it's this silencing and dismissiveness of women's voices on dating apps when we do report bad behavior. That's the bigger problem here. Wow. This is really oh, powerful. I mean, you have a great quote that um, on your website, I think it is, or somewhere I read it where you said, dating platforms aren't selling love or even dating. They're selling women. Yeah. That's a really powerful idea well, for women to get their arms around. It, it is. And it it's, I, I think the people who are on these dating apps get it. But again, people who are not single or not even just using these dating apps, it is a hard thing to wrap your head around. Um, but every, every day I experience this and it's not just me, like every woman who's on a dating app, I get messages constantly daily. My profile was removed from Tinder. And we know, look, of course there are women that violate guidelines too. It's not just men, but it's disproportionately women's that profiles that are removed. And we don't know why. Um, so that's not the product they want. I mean, it, you're, what I'm hearing you say is that boys, men behaving badly is okay. And women have to behave in a certain way, even in these digital dating apps. That's exactly. So it's basically stuff that happens in real life. These systems of oppression that are in real life are kind of being mirrored into digital spaces. And that's why this division of real life and digital, it, people always will say, oh, I didn't mean it. Or that's just my online voice or there's no, it's the same thing. Like it's a spectrum. Um, I don't think you can really distinguish your, your real self to your digital self. And it, it's really, so that revelation that I had really has changed my entire concept or my entire perspective of these dating apps. Like, yes, it is about the men and their behavior, but it's more about the fact that they are never held accountable or rarely held accountable. And the people that do call them out are the voices that are silenced versus the men that are doing something wrong. So these, so these uh, anecdotal experiences, which we believe are bigger and probably happen on a larger scale are really systemic. And that just goes yes. into, you know, who is creating the algorithms exactly. and what decisions they're making and who they're making to uplift and who they're making to oppress. 
Exactly. And I'm assuming that goes into what AWOL is about. If you could tell us a little bit about all women online, you know, we'd love to hear what do we do when we find out something is wrong and how can we make it right? Absolutely. So AWOL is kind of the product of this revelation that I had where it, it stands for all women online. And AWOL also means kind of when you are absent without leave. So the idea was to form this uh, coalition of women on dating apps and you have a digital protest where for one week we all went dark, meaning you you not just didn't go on the app, but you deactivated your account. And the idea was that because women, in my theory, are the product on dating apps, that's that's where the dating apps get their money, not from women, because we don't men are 16% more likely to purchase upgrades and um, all these other bonus elements from memberships. So men are the ones that are paying. So women, which who are the products, if we're not there, then they're going to, I assume that maybe the men will become unhappy or dissatisfied and they will complain to the app or, or deactivate themselves. So that was the theory um, where there was going to be a week long uh, blackout basically. And then COVID happened and it got a little tricky and I felt like maybe it wasn't the right time to, to do this. So it still happened. And I had about a thousand women who participated, changed their um, icon to the AWOL logo and went off their dating apps. And it was kind of just like a detox. It ended up being more of a, just like a reset, but the plan is to do this again in 2021 when I can kind of um, galvanize more support and get a little bit, um, spread the word a little bit more, but the concept still stands where these problems are still there. Um, I reached out to a an, uh, an attorney, a lawyer in New York, it, it's Carol Goldberg, sorry, Carrie Goldberg Law, and she specializes in this type of um, gender-based injustice and abuse. The issue is there's this code that actually became more relevant lately because Trump called it out too. It's called Code 230 in the Communications Defense Act. And basically, I'm not super well-versed on it, but you can't sue these technologies for any of this discrimination is what it comes down to. Um, so there were kind of, there's really no legal recourse is where this kind of ended. There's no legal recourse for this type of behavior on the account of the technology. So that kind of leaves us with what do we do now? Um, so that's kind of where it is. So it's kind of an anticlimactic answer, but I think again, raising awareness and inspiring women to be aware that this exists is the first step. To change and, and I don't know about you, but can you imagine Sari uh, testifying on Capitol Hill <laughs> to see about changing this code so that we can really get some progress as it relates to being able to hold these companies yeah. um, accountable? You bet. You okay. bet. All right, that would be a dream. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dream. Well, I was just imagining uh, that this is sort of like the next phase. I mean, we've gone through this whole really powerful Me Too movement that was really about finally confronting men such as Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and many, many others mm -hmm. who have been sexually harassing and creating really toxic work environments, dangerous work environments and, and assaulting, uh, you know, women. Uh, in the workforce, you know, this has gone on for decades. And, um, you know, finally, women collectively raising their voices to do something about it. But now here's another piece of it. Yep. That is behind the scenes. And, you know, when women are all alone, and getting these horrible messages, and also this thing called cyber flashing, 
Explain um, yeah. what that's all about. I mean, this must be terribly scary. I am so glad I'm not. My dating years are behind me. <laughs> so cyber, cyber flashing is exactly what it sounds like. It's more, you know, the colloquialism is dick pics, but it's cyber flashing. It's exposing yourself um, to people who are not expecting it. So unsolicited is the main part. And Right now, it is not illegal in Cal- or Texas. They recently passed um, a law where it does make it um, a felony, I believe, to send a dick pic. And I know in the UK and Australia, they're a little bit ahead of us as far as this type of litigation goes. But why wouldn't why wouldn't that be illegal? It just it makes no sense. So I, I've gotten. I mean. What's I the have difference a, between a man standing outside your, your window in your home none. and exposing himself, you know, versus what's the difference? It There is no difference. And the thing is, I think, again, this goes back to the the distinction between digital and real life. There isn't any. When you get a dick pic on your phone, I remember I was at my cousin's wedding two years ago and I re- opened up my dating app at whatever. I received a, a penis and it, it I was at a wedding. It, it felt like it was in the, the room with me and I never... I didn't think that I would react that way, but it really was a visceral, um, violating feeling. And and that actually inspired me to create a series that I call the UDP project, um, which were life-size molds of these penises I received that were then um, baked into acrylic glass tubes. <laughs> wow. And so it was really taking this flat, um, two-dimensional picture that men think maybe isn't as violating but how it feels to the woman receiving it is it is a three-dimensional real life object that takes up space in our minds and in, in our personal space. Um, so that was just kind of how I interpreted that. And that was great. I got so many submissions of penises. I hate to say I have a folder on my desktop of dick pics, and there are probably 500 of them and they're, they're horrifying. Oh <laughs> I try not to look at it too much. <laughs> You have a podcast coming up yourself, don't you? Yes, I am. It's still in the works. Um, I'm working with Detroit podcast company with uh, who, you know, Seth and Becky, and they're incredible. And I've been working on it all summer and it's, we're wrapping up now. I have one more interview to do. Um, The working title is Feminists Have Ruined the World, which is based on one of the messages I've received on, you know, various dating apps. It's one of my most popular pieces. Um, so it kind of discusses these, it discusses online dating, but then it's kind of the behind the scenes. Like you're saying, like the problem's twofold, right? It's immense behavior, but then you realize you pull back the, the onion a little bit more. And it's really all these um, systems that are, are set up the, the, the toxic masculinity, the uh, male supremacy, the patriarchy, it's all these systems that allow this behavior to happen. So it's kind of diving into these other um, maybe a little more academic uh, ideas uh, that are part of feminism, but it's, you know, mostly about online dating, but then goes a little bit deeper. So I'm super excited about that. It hopefully will be dropping around Thanksgiving, but it might be Christmas now. Fantastic. Sure. Anything else, anything else besides the podcast, any more art, where's your art available? Where can people see it? Uh, sure. where, how can people join you in your movement? Absolutely. Um, well, usually I'd be in some art fairs and say the dirty show coming up, but I, you know, right now everything's a little weird. Um, virtually, uh, you can always find my products in Etsy. It's etsy.com slash shop slash Tales. I mean, the URL doesn't matter. Type in Tales, You'll see my shop. Definitely follow me on Instagram. 
Um, often the first account that comes up is my backup because I'm shadow banned. So you actually have to search for my account. So just make sure you type in the full name. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, other projects, I'm just constantly creating new series and hopefully there'll be some other art fairs coming up in the new year, um, either virtually or in person. But right now it's podcast and Instagram and Etsy. You know, before we wrap up, uh, I want to ask you about your uh, your evolution, because one of the things that you said at the beginning was, you know, I never feminist wasn't part of my vocabulary. It's not how I thought of myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm fascinated by the differences in terms of generations of women. And which is why we call this a cross generational as well as cross cultural conversation. Um, what have you learned about your own, let's say, on this leadership journey that I would say you've been on? What have you learned about yourself and how you think of yourself as a woman moving through the world right now? I mean, that's a really, I love that question. Um, right. So when I started out, it really was, it wasn't some philosophical, uh, existential mission. It was just me being frustrated. And I think when you open yourself up, um, which I did to thousands of strangers online, you kind of, I, I my eyes were open to this whole underworld of, of feminism. Like I always considered myself not a feminist, but like, of course, you know, I was independent and pro-choice and all these like basic things that I think a lot of liberal women kind of gravitate towards, but I really was unaware of all of this, of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity. And yeah, those are kind of like trending terms, but they're, they're real. And it is important to have language to label these systems. Otherwise, how do we talk about it? So it's really just been, this evolution has been the greatest gift that I, I've been given. I'm so grateful. I'm evolving every day. And I feel like in a year, I'm going to look back at this and be like, oh, I didn't know this. Like a year, I've told you before, my TEDx talk from a year ago was talking about all the different archetypes of men that we encounter online. And I think there's, it's fine, but like now I would do it completely different. So I'm excited to see in a year what I'm going to look back and, and be like, oh, now look what I'm doing. What's your final call to action to uh, women and even any men who are listening to this? Yeah, so it's women and definitely men. We need allies. We need men who believe women. Um, I say if it makes people uncomfortable, you're doing something right. If it makes you uncomfortable, even more so. I've been uncomfortable so many times in so many conversations. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And that just means that you're growing. And keep doing it. Keep making people uncomfortable. Keep stirring up good trouble, Sarah. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us, Sari Rudin, for who you are and also the fantastic way you are modeling and challenging other women how to raise their voices against male toxicity and, and help this world move forward. You know, there's so many wonderful men in this world, there is no reason to waste your time with creeps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Dana Harvey. Our thanks to Robin Kinney and her Motor City Woman Studio here in Detroit for producing Powering Up. And let's all go power, power up. up. Power up. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share with your network Anne and I would love to hear from you through LinkedIn and our Twitter handles. Mine is at Dana Harv, 
And I am at Ann Doyle LDR. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work. Thank you.